Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pathway Church Podcast. We are a Bible-based church located in Peter, Ontario, and uh, we're on a mission to reach people who are far from God and we'll see them become devoted followers of Jesus. Today's podcast is part one of the series Before Goliath, and this is awesome. David showed up to the battlefield as an underdog, ready to fight, uh, not because he was confident, but because he was called. And uh, I really hope this message today will help you where you're at on your faith journey. And with that, let's turn this over to Pastor Nathan. Good morning, everyone. My name is Nathan. I serve as the lead pastor here at Pathway Church. And today and next Sunday, I wanted to share with you uh, two messages that are deeply intertwined. And these messages are based around a story that's found in the Old Testament. It is a favorite of mine and of many people. And it's the story of David and Goliath. This is one of my favorite stories as a kid. I remember as a kid, uh, this is the image that comes to mind because I had a picture Bible. And in my picture Bible, I see this young, this young boy, this young man named David, who goes out to meet this, this Philistine giant, and he's, you know, eight, nine, ten feet tall, covered in armor. Uh, he's got a spear the size of a weaver's beam. He's got cold eyes from killing people. I'm sure he was covered in scars from battle. And there's just no chance this young boy is going to take on this Goliath. And, of course, it's the ultimate underdog story. Everyone knows the ending, even if you've never been to church. David is victorious over Goliath. I want to read you the text and, and have you uh, see exactly what happens, and then we'll circle back. 1 Samuel chapter 17, beginning in verse 48, says this. When the Philistine, that's Goliath, arose and came and drew near to meet David, here's something I want you to notice. David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. I want us to think about that today. And David put his hand in his bag, he took out a stone, slung it around, and struck the Philistine on his forehead. And the stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the ground. He's not dead yet, because it tells us what happens next. David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone, took him down, and struck the Philistine and killed him. There was no sword in the hand of David. So David ran and stood over the Philistine, took out Goliath's own sword out of its sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. When the Philistine army saw what had happened to their champion, um, they fled. The battle was won. This was a... This is what we call uh, a pivotal moment, a mountaintop experience, a life-altering achievement. You know that David would eventually become the son-in-law to the king. He would marry Saul, the king's daughter. He would become best friends with the prince. He would have a, a place in the royal household all because he was victorious over Goliath. Or is that, is that the truth? And, and that's really what I want us to consider. I want us to think about, hey... Did David just happen to stumble into a victory over David? I, I don't think so. I don't think David no more fluked himself into this victory than an Olympic athlete stumbles their way onto the podium and wins a gold medal. And, and here's the thing we know. We know that whenever someone does something great, whenever there's a great accomplishment, there's always a backstory. And if you're watching, if you're watching this message with someone, I want you to just kind of give them a little poke and say, hey, there's always a backstory. This is one of the reasons why I love reading autobiographies. Autobiographies give you the backstory for someone's life. Uh, a number of years ago, I read uh, the autobiography by Walter Isaacson for Steve Jobs. And it was really fascinating because, of course, everyone knows Steve Jobs, you know, the founder of Apple or one of the founders. And he's someone who has had a huge influence on the world through the iPod and the iPhone and the iPad and Mac computers and helped to build one of the largest companies in the world, changing the world through technology. But what people don't know is that the company that he helped found, Apple, at one point actually removed him from his position and sent him packing. And years later, he would return to save the company and to continue to rebuild it. 
there's incredible backstory to people's lives. We know that, again, Olympic athletes don't just happen to land where they are. And so the question I wanted to ask today was, was this. What happened to David before Goliath? And that's the title of this message series, Before Goliath. And in that note that says, David ran quickly towards the battle line. Why would he do that? An entire army of Israelites who had been in many battles, they all stepped back when Goliath stepped forward. But David ran to meet him. What happened before Goliath that would cause David to be the kind of person that would move into that challenge and to take him on? Well, there's a backstory, and we're going to look at it today and next Sunday. Uh, We're looking at 1 Samuel 16 and 17, and I want to encourage you this week to go and read those two chapters and just see it all uh, in its context. Uh, But before we sort of dive into David's story, Um, I was thinking about this this week. For the last 10 and a half years, I've had the privilege of serving as the lead pastor here at Pathway Church. And over that time, I was doing some math. eh, And uh, over that time, I have preached something in the neighborhood of 450 sermons. That's a lot of material. That's a lot of content. Um, 30 to 35 minute sermons, 450. It's equivalent of about 20 books worth of information compiled, spoken, uh, it's a lot of information, and this week I was sitting at home with my wife, Jessica, and I was talking to her, and I said, hey, uh, you know, I'm trying to prepare these two messages for our church before I go on sabbatical, and I said, you know, honestly, I, I don't have anything to say. I, everything I could say, everything I know, I feel like I've shared with our church, and she just turned to me the way that only a wife can, and she's like, honey, you know that every preacher has one sermon, right? And that's something we've talked about in the past, how, like, every person has something they're wired for, something that they... Whenever they speak, whether it's on money or family or politics, no matter what it is, they're always going to bring an angle to it that is something that is unique to them. And for me, as I thought about it, I thought, you know, if there's one message that I feel like I've spoken over the last 10 and a half years, time and time again, that has woven itself into all the sermons that I've preached, it's really this idea of, of calling and character. Those two words that, that find themselves uh, together, calling and character. And I've often talked uh, to our church about how there's like a two sides of a coin, right? So I've got this, this cool silver dollar here in front of me. And on one side is heads and the other side, well, it should be tails, but there's a canoe on it. So we've got heads and tails, right? You've got two sides of a coin. Now, one side of the coin is not better than the other. One side of the coin isn't the coin. Both sides are the coin. You have one coin, two sides. And in many ways, uh, when we think about God, when we think about our faith, when we think about politics, we think about any subject, there's always two sides to a coin. And, you know, in small group this week, we were talking about how, um, you know, there is, um, when we think about God, when I was a kid, my parents uh, dressed me up in a suit, right? So I had like a, had a full-blown suit with, and I had a vest and a tie and I had my King James Bible and we dressed to the nines for church. And I didn't know why we did it, but one day I asked my mom, I was like, why do we dress up for church? And she said, um, it's because uh, we're going to see the king. Like, we're going to God, and so why wouldn't we dress our best? Like, if we were going to see Queen Elizabeth today, you wouldn't wear old ratty clothes. You'd wear your best, right? You'd present yourself the best possible. So I was like, okay, that made sense to me. And so we went to church and was very reverent. And that makes sense, right? Because God is this holy God, and he's worthy of worship, and he is like, you know, when you read about him in the Old Testament prophets and in the book of Revelation, he's like sitting on this throne, And there's like these multi-headed beasts with wings and power. And they're all like falling down on their faces, worshiping God. There's lightning bolts and rainbows coming off the throne. Like it's really, really, it's majestic. And so there's this sense that we come to God and we're like 
taken back by his majesty. But then Jesus also said that he's our Abba, he's our dad, our father, and we pray to him and approach him as such. So like, how is that possible? Is he like sovereign, great, worthy of glory and praise, or is he our dad? When I was a kid, I, I didn't come down into the living room in the morning and say, dearest father, may I approach thine glorious presence. I didn't say that. I just kind of wandered in, morning, dad, and I fell and stumbled into his lap and curled up in my pajamas on his lap. He was approachable as my dad. So God is like unapproachable, and he's our dad who's approachable. And so like, which is it? It's both. It's two sides of a coin. Holy smokes, I almost dropped it. Two sides of a coin. Uh, Think about it this way. Should we pray about something or should we do something? That's a great question, right? So like some churches focus on the prayer aspect and others focus on doing stuff. And and, and the question is, which is it? Should we pray about it or should we do something about it? The answer is yes. It's both. We pray about it and we do something about it. Uh, Think about it this way. Is it thy will be done? Or is it whatsoever things he ask in my name, I will give you, right? It's both. Two sides. Same coin. Is it God's sovereignty? God has a plan. He'll execute it. He'll bring it about because he is sovereign. Yes. Is it free will? You have the choice to receive uh, his call. You have the choice to do right or do wrong and all of its implications. Yes. Two sides of a coin, so I want you to understand today as I talk about um, these two words, I'm going to write them on my board here, uh, we're talk about calling, calling, and we're going to talk about character. These are two sides of the same coin in my mind. These, these two words uh, work together in an incredible way. Uh, essentially, what we, the way we like to think about it is that calling, okay, calling is a, that's a weird word. Maybe I should explain what calling is. Calling is uh, what many people in our culture would think of as, uh, let's say, purpose. Uh, what other words could we use? Meaning. Destiny. Oh, that's a good one. You used to have a horse named Destiny. Okay. So purpose, meaning, and destiny. And every single person, I'm going to draw a person here. We've got a man. Let's put a woman, okay? Every person, doesn't matter your age, stage of life, anything, okay? So you have people, and in life, our culture would talk about words like purpose, meaning, and destiny, and we're searching for it, right? So here they are. They're searching for it everywhere. But in church, we use the word calling, which, again, is not something we use in culture, uh, but we use the word calling, and here's why. Because uh, where the world would say, hey, we're searching for purpose, meaning, and destiny. There's something out there that we're trying to figure out what it is. We believe that there is a God. Okay, here's God. And he is calling to us, and he's calling us into a purpose and destiny that he's created for us, right? So we're going to find our purpose, meaning, and destiny, but it's because there's a God who created us for it and who calls us into it. The Bible actually teaches us that there's a God who calls. He calls to us. He calls us to himself. And, you know, when we talk about someone becoming a Christian, it's not about believing a certain thing necessarily. It's not about attending church. It's about understanding that there's a God who calls you to himself. There's a God who calls you to something, and you're answering the call. So here's the question. Have you heard his call? Not, not, not do you have a statement of beliefs, not that you've attended church, not that you are baptized as an infant or as an adult, but, but have you heard the call of God on your life, and have you responded and moved towards him? Here's another question. Do you continue to respond to the call? A lot of people hear the call, respond, and then stop there. That's why uh, when we began this church, we called it Pathway Church. And it's because we believe that God calls us and continues to call us. And we continue to heed and move in his direction. It's a pathway 
that we continue in this life. I hope, hope this is making sense. So we have, back to my sheet, we have calling and we have character. Calling, okay, it has to do with your identity, who God says you are, what he has for you. Character is how you respond. It's what you do. So it's like God's part, your part. That's what we're talking about. Calling, character. And the question is, which is more important? Which comes first? When I was a kid, uh, people uh, brought to me this age-old argument, which came first, the chicken or the egg? You guys heard this one? Right, which came first, chicken or the egg? And I thought to myself as a kid, oh, definitely the egg, because the egg hatched and the chicken came out. And then someone pointed out to me rightly that the egg couldn't exist unless a chicken laid it. So I'm like, okay, so then the chicken came, but then there was an egg and there was a chicken, and it's like this circular argument, right? So it's like the chicken, the egg, the chicken, the egg. And it's the same way. People try to distinguish which is it. Is it what God does? Is it what I do? And it's, it's both. It's both. It's, it's two sides of that same coin, which I have misplaced. So anyhow, um, it's both of these things. You know, think about it this way. Is it, is it your identity that informs your behavior, or does your behavior inform your identity? Let me give you an example. Is someone a liar because they continuously lie? See, that would be their behavior is creating their identity. Or do they lie because they are a liar? <laughs> stop lying, right? That's the point. Like, Stop lying and your behavior changes and your identity can change. So there's, there's this interesting link that, that happens throughout um, the scriptures. I want to look at David's story. And specifically today, we're focused in on this word calling. We're focused in on, on, on our identity and what God calls us to. So we're going to talk about calling today. And so I want you to see how David is called. I want you to see how his identity is formed. So in 1 Samuel chapter 16, we're going to kind of rush through this because there's lots I want to share with you today. Uh, 1 Samuel 16, beginning in verse 6, it says this. Uh, when they came, when they came, um, let me give you the backdrop to this very quick. Um, Samuel is the great prophet and he had one day anointed Saul king. But God has now rejected Saul, and he's sending Samuel to Jesse's house to anoint one of his sons. He doesn't know which one. So this is where we pick it up. Verse 6, when they came, so all the sons of Jesse come before the great prophet, like the prophet rolls into your house, big deal. And it says, Samuel, he looked on Eliab, and he thought to himself, surely the Lord's anointed is before me. There was something about Eliab, the way he walked, maybe his gait. He was tall, dark, and handsome. He was strong. Maybe he was buff. I don't know, but he just looked like a king. He just looked like somebody that God would choose. And he said, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But, next verse, the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or the height of his stature because I have rejected him. And then the Lord says this to Samuel, the prophet. He says, the Lord doesn't see like man sees. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. So, there's something incredible here. There's, there's both a warning and an encouragement here. Let me sh- the warning is this. Be careful how you judge others. Be careful how you assess. You can look at other people's social media. You can look at their house. You can look at their career. You can look at their marriage, their family, and you can think to yourself, if only I could be like them. They're just so amazing. But in reality, if you knew what was going on in their heart, if you really knew what was going on behind the scenes, maybe it's not quite as nice as it seems. So there's this warning about judging others, judging by appearances, There's a warning against trying to please others and look a certain way to other people. But then there's also an encouragement. It's this, that God looks past the stuff that other people see, and God sees your heart. And God sees stuff in you, and he sees stuff in me that no one else sees, not even us at times. So that's really encouraging. Uh, So God does not see what he's looking for here in Iliab. So here's what happens next in the next verse, verse 8. It says, then Jesse called Abinadab. This is his second oldest son. And he passed before Samuel, and he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. 
Verse 9, then Jesse made Shema pass by. It's his third son is like, surely this has got to be the one. And Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen these. Then, uh, sorry, and Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. So, that, okay, Jesse has at least seven sons, more, and all of them pass before the prophet. And Samuel says, the Lord has chosen none of these. Verse 11, and Samuel said to Jesse, this is so, yeah, are all of your sons here? Are they all here, he said? There remains yet the youngest, but behold, he's keeping the sheep. Think about this. All the family is present for the great prophet. David is not even viewed as important enough to be present. They're like, yeah, we don't even need you to show up. You can stay with the sheep and take care of them while the rest of the family goes to meet the prophet and someone is going to be anointed king. And of course, Samuel says to Jesse, um, send and get him. We will not sit down until he comes here. Now, There's something really, really powerful about this. David would have had the opportunity. Can you imagine if it was you? He would have had the opportunity to have an inferiority complex. He would have an opportunity to be mad at his family. They didn't even think I was worthy. All of that stuff. But instead, uh, he seems to take a different approach. David uh, would look at the situation and say, you know what? They didn't think I was worthy. Nobody thought I was qualified. They didn't even think I should have been there. But God sees me. And there are so many people today that need to know That in spite of what other people think of them, in spite of what they feel about themselves, that God sees them and calls them. Because again, we're talking about David's calling, but I really believe that God has called all of us. Uh, Check out what happens next. It says they they sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy, whatever that means. Had beautiful eyes and was handsome. We think, well, that's great. Like maybe if you're, you know, qualifying for a boy band, but this, this was not necessarily the qualifications for a king here, right? You want somebody strong, powerful, intimidating, and, and that's not David. He's, you know, he's Justin Bieber, not The Rock, right? So there's a, there's a big difference here. So you got this cute little boy coming into the scene, and the Lord says, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. And then Samuel took the horn of oil. He would have had this flask or horn with olive oil of some sort, and he's going to take this oil, and he's going to anoint David. Literally, he would pour the oil over David's head. It would flow down. Maybe he had a few little hairs on his chin, and it would flow down all of it, down over his robe, and David would be anointed. And it says, in the midst of his brothers, he was anointed. And the Spirit of the Lord, God's Spirit, came upon David from that day forward. This is incredible. So David, somebody nobody thought anything of, God says, I choose you. And he's anointed And in that moment, uh, we discover um, God has a plan for David's life and God's spirit comes upon him. So here's what I want to talk to you about for the last few moments that we have together. I want to draw for you uh, a little illustration um, that I think might be helpful. Okay, this is a pyramid. I don't know. I think a pyramid is helpful. Um, I've used uh, shapes and symbols like this. Uh, You could think of this almost like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Some of you have seen that, the things that we need. In our lives, but I want to talk to you about three specific levels or types of call that God has on our lives. And I think it's really important to note I believe every single person is called by God. Every person is called by God. Now, what we do with that is another question that we'll talk about today and a little bit more next week. So we got three kinds of call. Uh, the, the, the bottom level, I'm going to call the general call. Now, that doesn't sound very important, but I assure you it is extremely important. The next uh, level that I want to talk to you about is the relational call, okay? And I'll explain that in just a second. And then finally, in this top little triangle, okay, is we have the special call. So let me explain to you how this works. I believe that God has a calling on every one of our lives. The general call is our call 
to him, to relationship with God. It's where we become sons and daughters of God. It's where our value and our worth come from. It don't come from how much people like us. They don't come from how much money we have. It's our value and worth comes from our identity as sons and daughters of God. But it's not enough. So we could just say this. We could say God. On this level, we could say others. Okay. If we truly love God and have a relationship with God, it's going to impact our relationships with others. It's going to impact the way uh, we do life. It's going to impact the way we treat people. It's going to impact marriage if we have one. It's going to impact our relationship with our friends. It's even going to impact how we treat our enemies, Jesus said. All right, so you can't love God without loving people. So if you have a relationship with God and you hear and heed his call, then it brings you into relationship. And this, at the relationship level, will be your friendships. It'll be your marriage. It'll be your church, right, which is a family, your family of faith. It's going to be your community, your workplace. All of these things happen at this level. And then, of course, finally, your call is your special. And so we could say um, we could say self, right? So you could say, okay, so now that I have a relationship with God and relationship with people intact, now there's some specific thing that God wants to do in my life. Uh, there's another way we could talk about this. We could talk about this as this is my identity. This is my, I guess, identity. This is my relationships with others. Lots of ways we could think about this. And finally, this would be my role. You know, the thing that I'm going to do. And, you know, people often come to me and they ask, like, hey, pastor, like, how do I discover what this is? The special thing. The thing that I do that no one else does. Okay? Uh, for David, this, was, this special thing that God called him to was king of Israel. There was only going to be one of those. And so you would think that this king of Israel thing would drive everything that David did. But what you're going to discover is it actually didn't drive everything that he did. That's a role thing. Some of you might be wondering, should I stay in the workspace? Should I go into ministry? Should I start a business or a charity? What's my specific role? Am I to be a stay-at-home mom or a working mom? Am I to go into a nursing program or go to seminary? Am I, you know, do I, do I work in this business or do I start my own? Everyone wants to find the bullseye. They want to go, what is that special thing that only I do? And here's what I want you to understand. This is so important. That everything you do here is founded on what happens here. It's founded on what happens here. For example, for me, um, for the last 10 and a half years, I've served as lead pastor. That's a pretty special and distinct role. Like that's a thing that I feel God has called me to do. But the thing that qualifies me to do my role is this stuff. Like if, if, if I don't have a relationship with God, I'm not qualified to be a lead pastor. And if my relationship with my family falls apart and my marriage falls apart, who's going to want to follow me around? So, you know, while we might tend to want to focus on this specific thing, most of the work that we're going to do in our lives and our call actually begins here with who we are, our identity, uh, how we relate to others. And then finally, if we're fortunate enough to find the special thing, the thing that you would do if no one paid you, then, you know, you're getting here. But here's what I want to show you. Um, David, even though he was anointed and that oil flowed down and he was called to be king, it took him 22 years to get there. So just because you know what the specific thing is you're supposed to do doesn't mean you're ready. And, and here's the other thing we're going to talk more about next week. Just because you may not know what the special thing is that God has called you and only you to do doesn't mean that there isn't a ton of stuff that you can do in preparation for it. Right? This has been my message for the past ten and a half years. I want to encourage people to understand who they are, how they relate to others, how they live their lives, and that ultimately they would be led to the specific thing that God would call them 
to do. I want to show you one last scripture before I wrap things up, and we'll pick this up again next week. It's found in 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 26. And it says this, And David said to the men who stood by him, this is, this is before he goes out onto the field to kill Goliath. He says, What shall be done to the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he would defy the armies of the living God? David is saying, here's a reason why this guy has to be taken down. Notice he doesn't say, I need to take down Goliath because I'm called to be king and he stands in the way of me becoming king. No. He took down Goliath not based on this call, but on this one and this one. He's defying the God of Israel, my God. He's endangering my people, the people of Israel. There is so much that you and I can accomplish based on our general and relational call. This, this is like a bonus. This is amazing uh, when we begin to understand this. You know, um, I want to close with this idea. David eventually finds his way uh, to becoming the king of Israel, which is this special call. And after many years of being king, he loses sight of his people and he loses sight of his God. And he ends up committing adultery. He ends up killing a man to steal his wife. And everything falls apart. And and the thing I'm trying to communicate to you is that so much of what God has called us to, I would say 90% of what we do in our lives happens here and here. And those are the things that equip us to do anything special here. I hope this is making sense uh, to you. Uh, For me, over the next 12 weeks, I'm going to be on a sabbatical, which is a process of rest and reflection and renewal. And, you know, for 10 and a half years, I've... I've been working hard in this space as a lead pastor, and uh, I'm looking forward over this next season to, to remove this role and position and, and to rediscover my relationship with God and to grow deeper. Because I'll tell you this, before I was a pastor, I was a Christian. Before I was a husband and a father, I was a follower of Jesus. And so to return to that and to work on the foundation and then to work on the relationships in my life, those are the things that will help me to do what God's called me to do in the long run. And so this is true for you. So I wanted to, to, to share this with you and have you think it through with me. Let me close with this, this last thing. I believe God has called every single one of us, you and me. He has a call on our life, but the first call is to him. Have you heard his call and responded to it? The second call is to the people around us. You can't say you love God without loving people. In your relationships, your marriage, your family, your friends, your work, your community, those things matter. And your, and your love for God, it gets lived out there. And if you will work on those two spaces of your calling, I promise you God will lead you into the very specific thing that only you can do. So let me pray with you. Father, thank you for this uh, church. Thank you for the opportunity that we have uh, during this season that is extremely difficult. Uh, thank you for this, the, the time and the season that we have to reflect on where we've been and where we're going. And Lord, I believe every single person listening to the sound of my voice is called by you. And I pray that they would discover first and foremost that their calling begins with relationship with you, secondly, with others, and that God, you will always lead us exactly where you need us to be if we're faithful in the first two. So thank you that we are a church that is called, that this community of people are called. Help us uh, be like David and pursue that calling uh, through relationship with you and others. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks everyone for tuning in today. I hope you were encouraged by today's message and uh, we look forward to seeing you next week. Please make sure you follow us on all of our socials. That's Pathway Church PTBO on Instagram, Facebook, all that good stuff. And you can reach us on the internet on our website, pathwaylife.com. Have a great week and we'll see you later.